0: The Carter Bill of Rights, the Constitution, what's it worth? You know they're going to grind us down uh, until it really hurts. Is this a sovereign nation or just a police state? You know what? Uh, they're you trying to grind us down. But it isn't working. They're trying, but we're winning. We continue to stack up victories and we continue uh, to, uh, to to take the fight directly at them. Welcome to Stand and Deliver, episode number 60. How about that? Uh, Citizens for Free Speech official podcast. I'm the National Communications Director, Bob France, and I'm with the man who made it all happen.
1: That's it, Patrick Wood. I'm the director and founder way back in 2018. And we're, we're still here, we're still kicking, and we're still fighting for, uh, in defense of free speech and the First Amendment. Remember our unalienable rights, th- that is that those were the rights that were given by God. That's what our founders believed, and therefore government could not take them away. But government is trying to take them away, and so is Big Tech, and so are a whole bunch of other people like the World Economic Forum. They're trying to take our free speech away. These are, we must remember, Unalienable rights that are ours (laughs) natively that we don't need permission from anybody to have these rights So we are exercising those rights today as we stand and deliver and basically just tell it like it is
0: Well, that's what we do and that's exactly why we do it. You're 100% right We're going to talk more about some of the things that we're doing at cffs and that we want you to be a part of as our podcast goes on but patrick we want to start This episode with a follow-up on uh, episode 59 story that we did on Stanford Law. Stanford University Law School invited a federal judge to speak. Just for a little backgrounder, if anybody missed episode 59, you ought to go back and watch the whole thing anyway because there's a lot of great information there. But for the purposes of this, this conversation... They invited a federal judge to come and speak to the law students there, federal judge Kyle Duncan. He arrived at Stanford and was met with all kinds of vile profanity and vitriolic uh, uh, language directed at him before he even started. Um, He immediately asked, and this is according to uh, the National Review account of this, which is supported by video, Uh, This Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals judge came and began to talk, and the video shows that the judge was immediately heckled upon beginning his talk, so he didn't even have a chance to, quote-unquote, trigger anyone. Students shouted obscenities at him. The speaker, the judge, asked for an administrator to intervene, and when he did that, the administrator was the D.I.E. coordinator at Stanford. Some people call it D.E.I., but the D.I.E. administrator, Tyrion Steinbeck, who instead of telling the students to calm down and let the man speak, you know, using his First Amendment rights, actually encouraged them and declared that this particular judge was um, uh, was triggering them by, quote, tearing the fabric of the Stanford community apart, asking him, is the juice, juice worth the squeeze? So public outcry followed, and so the president of the university... Jenny Martinez, or I'm sorry, not the president, beg your pardon, this is the dean of the, the Stanford Law School, Jenny Martinez apologized to the judge in a letter and condemned and criticized her students and the D.I.E. administrator for their behavior, which led to last week's story, this this. Um, intimidating uh, walk of shame that they tried to provide basically for the dean and for any students who didn't participate in the heckling of the uh, of the judge. So the update to the story, Patrick, is this. The Stanford Law Dean has suspended her colleague who disrupted the lecture and supported the students disrupting the lecture. The D.I.E. administrator is now on suspension, and the students are being punished. In a 10-page letter to the Stanford Law community, Martinez announced that no students would be punished individually, but as a collective body, there would be mandatory educational programming for the, body, the student body on freedom of speech, and academic freedom, which of course is what you and I, uh, this is why we're on the story.
1: Yes, we can give a tip of the hat, certainly an attaboy or an attagirl to to the dean. Um, This is necessary. Uh, We talked about this, you know, these these students pay tuition, big tuition. Well, probably their parents pay for it or they got student loans, but they pay big money to go to law school and they go there to learn. In other words, sit under uh, qualified You know authoritative teachers to learn the law and this is not this their behavior was not in any way shape or form in that line of of learning anything they just wanted you know they're just like two year old child having a temper tantrum just went off and that's what it was and the dean was absolutely right to to you know put the clamp down on them and stop this nonsense said the law school exists there and I'm not, I'm not saying I'm a, a Stanford enthusiast necessarily, but the law school exists there um, as a premier legal institution in America. Premier, in some ways it's even better than what the reputation at Harvard Law School had for many years, still does I guess, but Stanford has been one of the leading schools in the country for law forever. And you know this, this behavior is just so shameful I'm glad they came down on it. They, they're doing the right thing, and maybe they're erring in some other areas, but they're doing the right thing on this, and it should be a message to students everywhere. You go to college. You go there to learn, so shut up and sit down. Basically learn what you need to learn, and then go out and ex- express yourself in society any way you want. But in the meantime, you know, pay, for, pay for play, as they say. You know, just Just do it.
0: Well, they were so livid, the students were, that the dean would dare apologize to the judge for what they themselves were not sorry for. They were not sorry for heckling him. They were not sorry for for acting as boorish as they did. Uh, And the idea that the dean apologized for them made them mad, which is what the dean cracked down on. Um, She explained further why the administrators had behaved incorrectly, saying, quote, The administrator, that's the D.I.E. director who who, uh, Mm -hmm. responded to the speaker's call for help by actually joining the crowd, The administrator who responds should not insert themselves into debate with their own criticism of the speaker's views and the suggestion that the speaker reconsider whether what they had planned to say is worth saying, for that imposes the kind of institutional orthodoxy and coercion that the policy on american or i'm sorry on academic freedom precludes. She also pointed out that Stanford law is not to be an echo chamber but a place to train lawyers to act as effective advocates in a society that disagrees about many important issues. And Patrick, that's at the core of what we are constantly defending at yeah. CFFS. You know, you 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 win debates By hearing the other side and beating them with your side, not by silencing the other side, suppressing, censoring, and living in that echo chamber that the uh, dean talked about here. If you want to win debates... You have to have debates. Otherwise, you literally are just living in a world in which nobody else is allowed to speak because it offends you and you can shout them down. So it it is a good outcome for now. And we'll see what happens here if this suspended D.I.E. administrator has any follow up on this whole thing. But uh, but but the dean did the right thing, I think, Mm -hmm. maybe with the exception of not punishing the individual students. I wish she could have done that. Um, All right. What did you say last week that she should have done?
1: Just, well, just, I I'm not sure I should re-mention it again. Why not? I'll, <laughs> clean house. <laughs> yes, that's right.
0: You are all uh, dismissed. You are no longer students at Stanford University yes, School of yes. Law for this behavior. This is not how it's done here. No, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, Patrick. I'd stand by it if I was you, and I, uh, and I echo it. But uh, for now, at least, this seems to be a pretty decent outcome to that very important story.
1: Yes, that, that would be a little bit draconian in one sense, you know, but the students need to be shaped up they need to be shaped up and that's what schools exist for you know uh, kids come from high school they go into college and with all kinds of baggage and stuff and part of the college experience is to whoop them into shape for adulthood (laughs) and sometimes that requires corrective behavior other students do just fine you know they they kind of get in the the stream of it and they learn and they become responsible adults others have more trouble with it these kids are having more trouble with it and the role part of the role of the school is aside from pure education, is to shape them up and get them, get them ready for adulthood to be responsible adults in society.
0: You're exactly right. And you know, if I can offer a suggestion maybe to lessen a little bit of what you called your own draconian response there, how about this? How about making every student who heckled that judge in that forum do what the dean did? You must write a letter of apology. Yes. Uh, yeah. as to why it is important to listen to viewpoints with which you might disagree yeah. if only to learn more about why you feel yours is right hear yeah. what the other side says and it may strengthen your own but apologize for not wanting to hear it and for acting the way they did you do that you can stay you don't do that then you have you have expelled yourself from our laws, like law school i like How about that, that? yeah I like <laughs> that.
1: Yeah. so basically so you act mm. like a sophomore in high school you're going to be treated like a sophomore in high school. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna write the letter you don't wanna write.
0: That's right, that's exactly right. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna stay in the educational realm, Patrick, for story number two on this episode of, uh, of Stand and Deliver, Central University of Central Florida. A professor there uh, by the name of Charles Nagy found himself at the middle of uh, what has been a years long saga, he's finally fighting back and he's filed a lawsuit against the university for violating his First and Fourteenth Amendment rights. Here's a little background on the story. In a tweet that is no longer available, uh, this professor asked the question, quote, if African-Americans as a group had the same behavioral profile as Asian-Americans, on average performing the best academically, having the highest income, committing the lowest crime, etc., would we still be proclaiming systemic racism exists? The professor also tweeted, quote, Black privilege is real. Besides affirmative action, special scholarships and other set-asides being shielded from legitimate criticism is privilege. But as a group, they're missing out on much-needed feedback, end quote. What happened after that? was a tumultuous three years, calls for his termination, led to months-long investigation that did result in his firing. There were petitions, protests, even a hashtag dedicated to the university dismissing Nagy over his tweets. And according to the uh, law school professor at Cornell University, William Jacobson, quote, Uh, This is really one of the worst examples I've seen where a university to placate the mob and also because they don't like his opinions, really use the entire machinery of a major public university and taxpayer funding to get this professor. Patrick, it doesn't get much more egregious than this, in my view.
1: No, it doesn't. And certainly this is not this is not the purpose of a university in the first place to do this completely off base, completely out of bounds. And I'm, I'm glad that it, that it finally is starting to work out where the, the right side of this thing is coming out, but it never should have happened in the first place. It never should have. And you know, <clears throat> the university system across America, unfortunately, has so much of this stuff going on, where it's just, it's, it's unregulated, it's kind of a, an attitude of uh, shoot first and ask questions later. Um, and you know, the courts end up settling it, but that's not the way it should be. It never should have been that way in the first place.
0: Yeah. And, and and to be clear, by the way, this one doesn't have a good outcome yet. We don't have an outcome. We just yeah. have the filing. The yeah. lawsuit has been filed, quote, in the name of a crusade to be actively anti-racist, as defendant Alexander Cartwright announced on June 2nd, 2020, the University of Central Florida harassed and retaliated against Professor Charles Nagy because he dared to publicly express viewpoints that are out of step with the prevailing campus orthodoxy yeah. on anti-racism, end quote. So this is, um, this is a big deal. This is a federal lawsuit in the Middle District of Florida, and um, they're going to have to defend themselves and, and explain why it is that he can't bring up these very, very valid questions if allegations of, quote, systemic racism are allowed to be you know to bandied about. Well, let's talk about what systemic racism is. Let's look at other minorities. And see if they are being discriminated against based on race by comparing their outcomes, comparing you know their the, some of the demographics, some of the incomes, and all the other things that he listed. That's a legitimate, in my view, conversation for higher education mm-hmm. to hold. Uh, you know, um, yeah. between professors and students, students and students. It's mm-hmm. a legitimate question, but nobody wants to hear anything of the sort. So therefore, he got fired again. Right. Yeah. Uh, Who's who's you know who's gonna who's gonna stand up and say the First Amendment matters and it has to protect mm-hmm. people like this, and That's hopefully right. a judge will do that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, this is the same kind of thing we saw during COVID when so many of the uh, legitimate scientists and uh, you know uh, doctors, medical professionals, and so on got canceled because they dared to question the narrative about the the virus, about the shots, and so on. They were just uh, summarily canceled by the you know, the, the, the hospitals, HMOs, insurance companies, and whatever media, big media. And, you know, it, it's, just, it's interesting that the people, legitimate people who, who really want to bring up discussions and talk about things like this, uh, that are more at the top of their game, than than not are canceled by people who are basically ignorant of the whole subject. You know it's the people the people Mm -hmm. down below are rebelling against the knowledge the clear knowledge up above and refusing to debate it refusing to interact with it and this is this is not the way society should work at all having those conversations whether you agree with them or not is really important for the older generation or the more experienced generation as well as the less experienced people in society we need to have these discussions that's how society gets on That's one big reason now society is really starting to fall apart is because all this stuff has been negated and you know, that's why we're here. That's why we're talking about it. It's so important. The founders of our nation knew this, by the way, they understood the value of free speech so much so that they insisted that the Bill of Rights be put into the Constitution after it was created. They said we have we can't do that. We can't just let this ride. We need to have protection extra protection and warning against all people keep your hands off free speech we need it for society
0: yeah i think that's uh that's exactly right and that's very well said and you know aside from the merits of being able to say what you think and to examine and discuss without an attempt to provoke or to harass Mm -hmm. or to intimidate or anything else but to have the educational discussion of what privilege is like because you know we only hear in the United States, the notion of white privilege to suggest, are there any privileges to being another color, another race, another ethnicity in this country? Let's examine that. You ought to be able to talk about that, um, whether you're a professor or a student without being fired or without being uh, uh, you know, suspended or, or disciplined in any way. Aside from just the generality of being able to say it, to be truthful, there, there's a great point to be made there. You could have You can have massive discussions and panels on this issue of what does it mean to be privileged in America? Because, Patrick, and and this is just, you know, my personal opinion, which is kind of the point here. We all ought to be able to say there are millions of people around the world who think that the privilege that exists is American privilege. You come to America. You've got privilege. If, and it doesn't matter if you're white or black or brown or Asian or, or European or anything else. You, If you get to live in this great, glorious you know, republic that we have, you better believe you have privilege. They wish they were so privileged. So to define what privilege means and to limit it only to one race in this country, I think, is just a narrow view of things that this professor was trying to point out to students to engage in that conversation. And I think that's fair.
1: Yes, exactly. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll follow this, uh, this lawsuit in future weeks and see how it turns out.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be very interesting. It's probably going to take months, I would imagine. It took three years for the entire thing to re- to resolve itself uh, you know, and, and lead us to this point. So uh, let's move on to story number three. Mm-hmm. Now, this one is much broader. This one is going to affect, well, virtually everybody. Now, the article in question that brings this up, which I did not realize until I read it, is was in The Federalist, and it was uh, about the President of the United States uh, and his push and his administration's push to use correct pronouns would create a human rights violation, meaning if you call a boy a he or a him, if you call a girl a she or a, or, or a her, if you call a group of people a they, them, but not an individual uh, they, them, you would be violating their human rights if the president gets his way. Um, the headlines, or excuse me, the first line, Patrick, puts it in our wheelhouse, President Biden's Department of Education plans to enact a new, new rule changes to civil rights law this May that would end free speech in America as Americans have known it. The changes would inject strict gender ideology straight into the heart of Title IX of the Civil Rights Act by erasing the Supreme Court's long-standing distinction between protected speech and punishable conduct. The Biden administration is muddying the waters between mere speech and harassing speech specifically to force the use of pronouns and gender affirming language. Under the proposed rule, students and faculty can violate Title IX simply for refusing to use someone else's quote unquote preferred pronouns, which, by the way, can also mean invented and made up pronouns, which is a part of the uh, situation we're facing right now.
1: Yes, this is just incredible. The push that we've had from, especially from the Biden administration to interject all of these, uh, these policies like this is, this isn't just exclusive, but things like this, this has all been done by executive fiat. There is no other demand in society to do these things. And there's certainly, there's no congressional support. There's no state support either. And yet the president with a stroke of a pen can can modify policy in America and criminalize behavior that is otherwise constitutional. Mm-hmm. This is so upside down. It's just incredible. Why Congress, and this is, the, I would lay this somewhat at the feet of Congress. Congress has not stood up to this at all. They've just basically been missing an action and letting the, the, the Biden administration, or any administration for that matter, but in this case, the Biden administration, get away with this without putting up a constitutional protest. So you can't do that, sir. That that's that's you you just simply cannot do that. It is against the law what you're doing. So it passes it gets it is made into a rule. The rule is not law, but it can be enforced as law, and people can get punished. It's incredible, just incredible.
0: Well, there's a just to add this context to it, Patrick, and get you to respond to this too, um, <clears throat> cited in this particular story is a 1999 ruling in Davis versus Monroe County Board of Education. The Supreme Court held that expressive activity such as speech can only constitute harassment when it is, quote this is again, according to the court so severe pervasive and objectively offensive end quote that it can no longer be considered pure speech it is more properly viewed as actionable conduct in the process the court emphasized that single instances of speech no matter how offensive to the listener do not rise to the level of harassment this change two months from now in may would mean that yes, uh, that there, it would simply cast aside that Supreme court ruling. And it would say that if you call a boy who wants to be called a girl, a boy, or if you call or refer to the boy by, by the pronoun he or him, that that would rise to the level of harassment that would be so severe, pervasive, pervasive and objective, objectively offensive, that that, uh, discipline and recourse must be held. Um, that's how dangerous this is. Quite literally, this would impact millions and millions and millions of Americans in the way we speak every day.
1: It would. And let's not forget, in particular, that this is the Department of Education that's bringing us about. That means, yes, that I mean, that means it's that's going right. to be pressed down to all the schools. Now, we, we've had fights in, in years past about Common Core education standards yes. and how destructive they were to the learning process that children had been you know, subjected to for decades. And um, the, so there was this massive push, push against the Department of Education to change things, make things right. The states finally, many states finally took over the education process itself and they kind of rejected a lot of that stuff. But the Department of Education has been one of the singular departments and administrations for many presidents that has brought disruption into the education system it's almost unmistakable. You, you, you can't at this point, you can't hardly say, well, that was just a mis- I was just a series of coincidences or something. It's like over a period of time, education has degraded into total chaos. And it's still degrading into total chaos, because this is going to do nothing. But you know, bring about dissension It's going to bring about, you know, a dampening of education in general. While we should be studying the things that will help us in society that I say have to say, like things like reading and arithmetic and math and stuff. uh, We're worried about what pronouns children can use for themselves. It's like, okay, somebody somewhere along the way, really need and it only can be American parents can stand up to this thing and say, you know, guys, we want education out here. We don't want this other stuff. We don't want the drama. We want our kids to be educated. Period. Into subject. Would you please just educate them, and then let them make their own decisions about what they want to do when they get out?
0: Yeah, um, that's very well said. And, and Patrick, last thing on this: if we're not careful, what we're gonna we're gonna end up like is Canada, yes. and they 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 cite this as well, reminding us that following a long drawn, uh, drawn out court battle in the Canadian justice system, the Canadian court told a Canadian father that he had to stop referring to his own daughter as a girl, because the daughter identified as a boy, mm-hmm. the father rightfully refused to comply with the order. And in May of 2021, a warrant was issued for his arrest. He was charged with committing a human rights violation. Um, he had originally sought mental help for his daughter, which is what you should do when you have a, a psychological disorder. But by the time of the litigation, she had already been, quote, transitioning for two years, and the father was jailed as a criminal. If we're not and then and then you probably know about Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson, Canadian professor, refused to use transgender pronouns and condemned Canada's uh, law on that, and he was, uh, he was ordered to appear before the uh, governing body of the College of Psychologists of Ontario, which threatened to pull his psychology license if he yes. didn't undergo re-education. Mm-hmm. So if we're not careful Patrick you know we like to call ourselves the you know the land of the free and the home of the brave we're going to end up like you know the folks up in the great white north and we're not going to we're not going to be able to speak freely any longer all of the all of the brilliance of our founders will go by the wayside and all of the sacrifices of millions of, of, of soldiers and, and, and warriors to protect that constitution will have bled and died in vain if we're not very careful
1: right now. Mm, that's right. And I, I just have to repeat again, free speech is the, the underpinning of a free society. It takes a lot of discussion, a lot of argument, a lot of hot debates to move society forward in all kinds of different areas. But those hot debates, if you will, and and I have to say the founding fathers argued like cats and dogs all the time. They, you know, they had really strong, heated debates, but they never hit each other. They never canceled each other and they worked it out. Those discussions were important and brought, to uh, obviously, and brought to us the constitution of our country that has served just fine for a long, long time. But without without free speech and, and all of these different opposing arguments and discussions and stuff coming into the mix, society can't function. It simply cannot function. It's a fundamental thing that that makes society function correctly. And the people who have really dumb ideas get thrown out, you know, their ideas get thrown out in the end, because of discussions, people Mm -hmm. just say, Well, I don't believe that and turn away. (laughs) That's, there's nothing wrong with that. But that has been the, the foundation stone of all society Yes, it and is. every little nook and cranny, whether it's education or science or any other or political affairs, any other thing, that is rock, uh, the rock-bottom foundation of, of society. And it's being destroyed. Now, let me just say, that's no mistake. I really don't believe personally that is a mistake. I think the enemies of our country know that the w- one way to really knock us off whatever we're on uh, off of our, uh, you know, pillars of, uh, the foundations of our country, destroy free speech. They're on their way down. This needs to be stopped for a number of reasons, but this is the biggest one. <laughs> this is the biggest one. The people who are trying to destroy free speech and disrupt free speech are the ones who are pitted against the very nature of our nation.
0: hundred percent. Hundred percent. Those who are trying to destroy free speech literally are trying to build tyranny. A, a, a people who cannot speak freely means you cannot speak against the government. You cannot speak yeah. against the rules that that they have established. If you cannot express yourself and you allow the government to punish you as a result, um, you no longer have freedom. You have tyranny there is no i I don't think there's any middle ground between freedom and tyranny you either have freedom or you don't it's a it's it's a pass fail proposition as far as i'm concerned there's no middle ground there so yes it is
1: how about a a shameless promotion promotion uh, you nailed it for free speech
0: (laughs) by all means that's exactly what i was about to say we want to remind people we need two things we need members and we need money We need, in order to continue the training and the activism and the fight that we continue to bring to all of these attacks on our First Amendment and, quite frankly, on the rest of our rights as well, um, we need power. Power comes from more members, and it's completely free. You don't have to bring the money. You can bring yourself. Uh, We need members at citizensforfreespeech.org. Join the fight. Become an activist in in your local community. Make sure people are aware that when you see these things going on in your schools or your universities or wherever it is, that you are active in trying to promote um you know our our our, uh, our rights our constitutional rights but we also need support right patrick donations are yes. crucial uh they're yes. not required and you don't have to donate you know a hundred thousand dollars you could donate a hundred dollars donate ten dollars if we get everybody who can donate something to keep this mission alive um it's crucial like i said to protect freedom
1: yes absolutely and you know the the, the idea of operating in your local community is so important. Most of the stories that we cover here on standard deliver are of a local nature when you really drill down into it. The school boards, the schools you have the school system you have, right? It's local, it's in your control. The city councils, uh, you know, the 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 appointed people and also the paid people that work in your city, your (coughs) county, whatever, those are the source of typically of all the problems that might be plaguing your community. Sometimes it's just policies you just don't like they're not evil necessarily. But it, our director of trainings, national director of training says if you don't have a seat at the table, you're what's for dinner. It's just that simple. They're out to get you. And it's your community. You live there. Your your friends live there. Your elected officials live there. You should be involved. You just don't give them a free pass like we have for so many decades you need to get involved that's where citizens for free speech comes in with our training program with our uh with the activities and the webinars and the town halls and stuff we do we're adding so much to this uh across the country bob that it's almost embarrassing to think that there aren't a thousand organizations like us or at least 50 organizations one in every state right <laughs> doing what we're doing they should be so Americans need to rise up. Come come stand with us. At least that. Stand with us even if you can't do anything. Stand with us in support, moral support.
0: Yeah, even if you can't be active, like Patrick just said, again, numbers matter. You know, if we can go to, uh, you know, um, a legislative body and say, we, on behalf of our 150,000 American members of CFFS, demand this, 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 or this in defense of our constitutional rights, it means more than saying, you know, we represent 25 people. Uh, You want to get attention. We need the numbers. So whether you can be active or just be a member, we want you. Citizensforfreespeech.org. Citizensforfreespeech.org. We look forward to you joining us as we continue to defend the First Amendment in this country. It's literally, our nation depends on it.
1: Well, that's a a wrap for Episode 60. Can you believe this? Episode 60. I know. Can't believe it. We
0: blew past the one-year mark and we're on our way. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. You know they're going to grind us down uh, until it really hurts. Is this a sovereign nation or just a police state? You better look out, people, before it gets too late.